0: Sex selling in in, uh WCW, I think we can all agree it was Ralphus was the big sex. I
1: don't give a crap what he's doing. Get Hogan's ass here right now.
2: All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are not canceled. We're back. You saw Twitter this week. We tried apparently tried to get us. I tried to get ourselves canceled, but nope. And we're going to talk about that later. But of course, this is the Attitude Era Wrestling Review Podcast. We will be reviewing Nitro from August 25th, 1997. Today, we have a special guest who we'll get to in a minute. But first, let me introduce my co-host, the man with the velvet vocal cords. Arnold, Arnold, how are you this morning? I'm tired, Drew. How are you this morning? The same. My fourth-grade daughter had a sleepover last night, and they decided they were going to stay up all night making slime and bracelets. and Yeah, so I'm on little sleep. I'm angry, and this ought to be a fun episode. (laughs) 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 Oh, yeah. But, yeah, so we're all tired. And since I mentioned our guest, we'll go ahead and intro him. We have Russ. From the Infectious Groove podcast, Russ, how are you this morning? I am uh, the
0: opposite of you, gentlemen. I've been up since six. I've had a Mountain Dew. I'm all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I'm wearing the world's uh, loudest and brightest Scott Hall shirt. I am ready to go.
2: (laughs) Yes, I saw that on your Twitter. That is an amazing shirt. Yeah, it
0: it is. They call it Scott Hall, the tribute, and it has like every era of him, but every portrait drawn by a different artist in a different style. Where you did know, you get like, that? Because uh, I want that. Okay, so it's a brand called uh, Roosevelt's, like R-S-V-L-T-S. And they they do all sorts of collabs. They have a series of like Office shirts, SNL, Star Wars. They have a bunch of Star Wars shirts. Um, but they have a whole collaboration with the WWE. And uh, I think now, from this brand, I own like 10 shirts and like 7 of them are WWE <laughs>
2: shirts. So I got a DX one
0: and Scott oh, Hall and WrestleMania. So
2: yeah. that That was the shirt you and Lauren were arguing about who can own more. Yes. Yeah. Shout out to our guest last week who funny story, I booked both of them on the podcast separately, not realizing that they were a couple. Serendipitously.
0: Well, we have a, we have part of the whole infectious groove thing that we do is we have a YouTube channel where we do um, music discussion videos. They're like five minute quick videos, like five underrated songs by this artist or whatever. And Lauren is in every other video with me. And we have longtime viewers of the channel who are like, Hey, are you guys a couple?
2: <laughs> now I don't feel. Yeah. So bad. <laughs> yeah.
0: So don't worry. People see it in living color and they still don't know.
2: So <laughs> Well, she was awesome last week, especially since she was way out of her comfort zone. It was fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But you, it's fun
0: for me watching wrestling with her, by the way, because she's never seen not one minute of the attitude Era or any wrestling before I started showing her and it's very funny to have her complete unique perspective, like we'll be watching a segment of, I don't know what uh, to put it in this week's perspective, like the, the Wolfpack segment where they come out and make fun of the four horsemen or whatever. And she'll be like, okay, pause it now. Who's, you know, who is he? Why did he say that about him? You know what I mean? Like well, I'm, a, I'm like, okay, let me run the whole backstory, you know?
2: Well, our notes last week got a little, our, our review last week got a little interesting. What was, it? there was a segment that got a little awkward because of, something that wouldn't work in 1990 or didn't work in today. I don't remember what it was, but it was something that were, they would definitely get canceled about five seconds a day. But we also, I wanted to thank you I think because, you're
0: talking about all of the programming. Yeah. About, well, <laughs> from, from yeah, there's a, Nitro, yeah,
2: there's a lot of, it, but I can't exactly remember. There was one specific thing, but anywho, um, I wanted to thank you because I asked her, she said, you know, you were introducing her to wrestling and I said, do you watch anything modern? And she said, no. And I said, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Stay away from that. Yeah. It's not the best. The only thing better about modern wrestling than older wrestling is I will give it women's wrestling. (sighs) And I guess we can use that as our segue to let's just go ahead and jump into this because let's get it all over with quickly, hopefully quickly. All right, so I got, I blew up Twitter again. What was it, Thursday night? Wednesday night, Thursday night, one of the nights. All right, so it's all started. Mick Foley tweeted that he believes Sable, that talentless wench, belongs in the Hall of Fame. Now, and a lot of people made the case that, you know, you got Kid Rock, he who shall not be named in there. So it's not exactly like it's the you know, standard bearer of professional wrestling. But I can see that point. But let's just talk about an actual, if we had a real legit Hall of Fame. And then everybody started saying, because I said no. she I said, I believe my tweet was, you've taken one too many bums, Mick. She belongs nowhere near. And everybody blew up. Oh, my God. And the, the thing that everybody stuck to, somebody tweeted, was that she was the second biggest draw between 98 and 99. Yeah about that.
0: There's just no way that's true. Mm -mm. There's just no way that's true. Like and and to be clear, you know, as a person was because I saw people on Twitter part of the argument against you was you weren't there. You know, I was there. I was there. I'm old enough to where I, I went to a ton of uh, Attitude Era shows at the, WWE. I went to a couple of Nitros. I went to several pay-per-views at that time. I was there. I saw it. And I'm telling you, outside of the atypical bro being like, yeah, Sable, like many, the, you could have turned the arena off kilter from the amount of eyes rolling when Sable came out. Like Nobody who was there for good product was interested in anything. Sable was doing. And that's a
2: fact. Like I was there and I saw it. I was 14 to steal AEW's phrase, I was the key demo. And no, all my friends, we got together and watched wrestling. They're like, well, she sold a ton of merch. Do you know how many of us had Sable Bomb t shirts? None. We had rock shirts. Yeah. A lot of us had Austin 316 shirts. I proudly represented until I got told not to ever wear it at school again, my Degeneration X hoodie. Right, yeah, but nobody had a sable bomb shirt. Nobody, and here's what I here's what I told Arnold, and I I gave up and didn't want it because I realized just just marks that weren't there on Twitter. Um, I tweeted this, you, Russ. You be the judge here. Which of these two sentences happened in 1998? Hello. Local cable operator, yes, I'd like to order the blah, 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 WWF pay-per-view because The Rock undert- slash Undertaker slash Mick Foley slash Steve, well, not Steve, but Triple H is on it. Okay, great. That's $40. Or this sentence, I'd like to order that WWF pay-per-view because Sable's on it. Which one of those happened? First of all, the first sentence is what happened. And
0: second of all, I don't think anybody even said the second one jokingly. Like, I don't even think if somebody was like, I'm going to call and tell my mortar net because Sable's on it. <laughs> you know? no. like, nobody even said that jokingly. Like, I, I just, she just wasn't a draw. Like, I, okay. So ratings wise was Sable the difference between like a four, seven and a four, eight, probably right? Like there was probably a good cross-section of dudes that turned in tuned in that were like, oh, I hate my wife and my life, so I'm going to tune in and fantasize about this broad who can't, you know, wrestle at all and barely can, you know, hold a mic let alone speak into it. But then you know, was any did anybody buy a ticket? I I doubt people bought tickets for Raw to see Sable in person. Let And on no planet did somebody buy a pay-per-view to see Sable, period.
2: No. And let me ask you no. another question would it have mattered one iota if it was rena marrow or another bimbo out there flashing her boobs no and i can answer that in one word deborah
3: yeah
0: thank you you know what i mean yeah. i would argue deborah was as big of a draw as sable
2: Yeah, for the same reason yep and are we talking about deborah being the second biggest draw behind alston
0: no, people. I mean, have, did you you told me off air before we came on. You said the only source for that is Kevin Nash said it somewhere. That's that some, that she was the second biggest draw.
2: Somebody's tweeted that. I did not. I couldn't even find that
0: because Kevin Nash is generally a pretty good source, and I I can't see him saying that. Like I feel like it's out of context or something. Yeah, because some,
2: somebody tweeted that at me, so I never saw it. I haven't listened. If it's out there, great. Maybe. I don't see WCW sitting in their locker room, shaking their boots for a 15-minute Sable T-shirt segment.
0: I, I could see them because, you know, in that era, everything was so actionary and reactionary, right? Like, they were literally writing Nitro, like, on the fly while against a live Raw, you know what I mean? I could see them being like, Trying to have foresight about it, like, oh, this could, like, the idea of Sable could turn into something that could be a problem for us. I could see that, but I don't think at all were they like, oh, no, we're going to lose, you know, half our audience to this 15-minute Sable. Uh, I Like, the idea of her, I could see them being worried about, but her specifically...
2: Mm, no. not at all Mm-mm. i mean yeah like the idea that they're going to turn it into a 30 minute bikini show in the middle of every raw i maybe. mean they
0: already had the nitro girls well before yeah sable became a thing so it's not even like that was reactionary so are right? we going to talk they about are, are, yeah
2: are the nitro girls the second biggest wcw draw in 98 99 behind goldberg no, <laughs> well, I don't know that if that might be up for debate. Well, <laughs> well
0: if you're talking about if you're no, talking about sex selling in in uh, WCW, I think we can all agree it was Ralphus
2: was the big sex <laughs> sex draw <laughs> in
0: WCW. I
2: mean, yeah. Um, all right, so I've got just a few more points, and we'll move on from this because people are like, you don't know how big Sable was in the Attitude Era. There's your there's my point. Was she over? Oh God, yeah. Was she probably the second most person over behind Austin? You can make that case. I will take that argument. She may have been the second most over person behind Austin. Was she a draw? No, no. There's a difference yeah, between I, there's a difference between being over and being a draw. Look in the '80s at um, I'm trying to think of somebody who was being may have been mass. Oh, let's look at. um. You're my favorite manager of all time. Let's look at Mr. Jim Cornette. Was he over? Oh, God, yeah. Insanely. Were people buying tickets to see him? Maybe to yell at him? Maybe. That's not maybe a good case. But No, I, I think you do make a good point, and I can make
0: the the opposite point. Uh, uh, the weasel, Bobby the Brain Heenan, right? Yeah, there we go. I firmly believe Heenan was over and a draw. I believe people would buy tickets specifically to see Heenan either, you know, uh, as in the manager capacity or whatever. And I don't like, I, dude. I'm a huge Jim Jim Cornette fan. And even when I was a kid, I didn't buy tickets going, uh, like I bought tickets being like, oh, it's gonna be Warrior versus uh, uh Bret Hart at a, a house show. Hell yeah! I wasn't like, oh, and Jim Cornette's gonna be there. <laughs> like, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. But I would, I would have been like, oh my god, Heenan's gonna be there. Like, I don't even care what the main event's going to be like, I love Bobby Heenan so much. I will buy this ticket. You know? So to me, that's
2: a good comparison. Yeah. But Cornette, whoever he, whoever he was managing would have been a draw, but he wouldn't have been right. And and Sable kind of that, I mean, but not, I mean, that's not a good comparison, but still she was over. Oh God. Yeah. I'm not saying she wasn't popular. She wasn't over. There's no reason for her to be a, as over she was, other than t- to quote Cornette, "pneumatic tits." But
0: <sighs> I just you're you the 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 crux of the matter to me comes down to what you said about that. The idea that she was the second biggest draw behind Austin is ridiculous, and I don't care who thinks otherwise. That's a ridiculous notion. I can I mean, uh, Foley Rock, Degeneration X. You know, you break that even. I'd argue the new age outlaws on their own were a bigger draw than Sable. And that's before you put them in the, in the X stable, like I off the top of my head, I could at least list at least 10 people who were bigger draws
2: after Austin before you ever bring Sable into the conversation. Yep. Wholeheartedly agree. Yep. And can, and somebody put this and, <laughs> and they're absolutely true. Cause I was going to say it. Can you find me that one great Sable match? The one, the one listenable Sable promo. I'm sorry. She had a catchphrase. Yes. For all the men, women who want to be me and the guys who want to screw me. Or whatever it was. I don't remember. That's how memorable it was. Or, uh, the guys who want to see me and the women who want to be me. Whatever. Was that catchy? Yes. But my God, I had to listen to that mono, monotone Stepford White drone voice say it. She couldn't yeah. cut a promo. She couldn't wrestle at all. She ruined Mark Marrow's career, then tried to ruin his personal life because she's a horror. Sorry. I don't like her. And yes, <laughs> a little what I have to say is personal because I do not like her because I think she's a terrible human being. Was she a draw for Playboy? Oh yeah. God yeah. Huh. She got a ton of money to do that. Is that have anything did that draw a wrestling ticket? Yeah, and maybe. I, I,
0: other than, like I said, take it, no. I. When the Playboy thing happened, did more people tune into Raw? Probably, I don't know, probably a couple hundred thousand, maybe. You Five, know, until like, they we saw like, and
2: heard her? I'm like, oh, she keeps her clothes on TV, click.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, we don't, uh, uh, everyone listening to this show, and you guys, of course, know this, like, promos are a crucial part of the entertainment Mm. and this woman could not speak on the mic at all like she was deborah level on the mic
2: like no 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 sorry i don't like deborah promos but don't compare those two deborah could get a point across i can listen to a deborah promo it's pointless but i can understand it and physically hear it sable just was mute the tv she was get it off my tv because why am i listening to this
0: I would say probably the most amount of time I spent flipping channels was when Sable's music hit. I was like, well, let's see what's going on in Nitro. Oh, that was me. That was me.
2: Let's go see. Yeah. go yeah. And like I said, 14 years old, 14 when she was popular. What's what's I would rather watch a disco Inferno match on Nitro than listen to three seconds of Deborah. You can quote me on that. And if you That's, know my hatred for that, words. If you know my hatred for that dude, that says something. So speaking of Nitro, we're in Columbia, South Carolina, and it's August 25th, 1997. We're 20 some minutes in and we'll finally get to our review. (laughs) All right. Well, so we we are in Columbia, South Carolina. A little bit of trivia. I used to live about. Forty minutes east of here, on along I twenty, a little place called Camden, South Carolina. Beautiful little community. Shout out if you're from there. Great, but we find out that Columbia, South Carolina, is. Did y'all know it was home of Hootie and the Blowfish? I did know that. I did but, but, too. I mean, did anybody I did a really music care? Podcast, so, well,
0: yeah, that's true. <laughs> Russell's like, yeah, yeah, I know yeah. That. yeah.
2: Probably, yeah. probably tell you what Barry played in before he got famous. <laughs>
0: It's no, it's the only reason I do know that is because, uh, I had friends who lived in that area when they were big and they talked about how, like being from Detroit before kid rock blew up, like kid rock played like every bar in Detroit seven nights a week like grinding until he finally blew up and my buddy was like jesus the whole nation loves hootie now he's like i used to be able to walk in a bar and be like ah oh, crap it's them
2: again you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, i remember my mom had the cracked view mirror cd oh but anywho who thought we've had that many kid rock references on this episode i think it's like the second Cool. It's, my, it's my least favorite thing about uh, being from Detroit, this Kid Rock. <laughs> oh, I'm not a big fan of Kid Rock either. But anywho, <laughs> speaking of things I am a fan of, we have Shivani, Zabisco, and Mike Tanay on commentary. So we get the A-team. All right. We find out Sting once Hogan. We see a Clash of the Champions replay. Oh, and I wrote in capital letters, D-U-H, duh. Everybody, but apparently... JJ Dillon knows this. Anywho, Sting. So they replay Clash of the Champions. Sting has a vulture and it flies down to the ring and scares the NWO for some reason as some creepy kid reads a poem. I'm really glad I did not watch Clash of the Champions because that was really cheesy. <laughs>
0: How'd you like to be Scott Hall and have such a great, a great idea to reinvent Sting and then they do it and then they start doing that stuff with it? And you'd be like, guys, that's not what I meant.
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's always interesting there. Cause yeah. I didn't watch it either. Well, at least yeah, so I didn't watch Clash either. And yeah, that was kind of like, yeah. <laughs> I agree. It's kind of like. You guys, there's a whole movie that you could have kind of base this off of that's what I did. (laughs) It's like, okay, whatever.
2: (laughs) Yeah. All right, so you know who comes out next, Arnold?
1: Hmm. Small, (laughs) small.
2: Sorry, I love that. And he's with Eric Bischoff. Says, Sting is a bird man. Um, we get JJ Dillon on the phone. Um, he said Sting spoke louder and clearer than he ever has at Clash of the Champions. Really? He didn't say a word. He had a he had a bird. Last week he was pointing at the crowd who were chanting Hogan. And that wasn't speaking louder. All right, this ugh, yeah. Um, uh, JJ promises that Hogan will get Sting before the end of the year. Woohoo! Uh, Sting comes to the ring, he has a Hogan shirt, puts it on Bischoff, and then shoves it in his mouth. Never says a word, just does that. This is the part of Sting I do like, when he just walks to the ring, says absolutely nothing, or just stands in the rafters. This was so, this whole thing was is so brilliant. Now, we're we'll get to the payoff, and maybe that'll be different, but... We don't know that yet, but this, I hated it until sting come out and was just a t-shirt and shoved it in Bischoff's mouth that I loved.
0: I'll tell you one thing about this segment too, shows you uh, that not everybody should be involved in the acting side of the promos because Bischoff, it always did a great job of going like, um, you know, he's, he's of course he knows the script, you know, so he's got a, But he's got to act like this whole thing is news to him that Sting Hogan's going to happen, you know, and he literally just shuts himself like he's like no, no, you know, like like really lays into it. And JJ is reading his lines as if he knows the whole thing already, like he's putting zero effort into the like the reveal and the surprise of it, you know. So it's like when you watch the two, you're like, man easy E is like really carrying anything to do with the charisma of this segment. Like it could have been a much bigger reveal and have a lot more weight to it. And like you said, then Sting's got to come out and save the whole thing by not even saying a word.
2: Yeah. I think this all boils down to JJ knew that he was being made to look stupid on TV and he was just, I mean, no pun intended phoning it in and was there for a check. Yep,
0: and as a viewer, that's not
2: very engaging <laughs> no, <laughs> it's no. to watch. But I will say this was a good what ten minutes. Start the show, maybe eight ten minutes. I love this. This was great to me. I didn't. I'm glad it wasn't the. I'm glad they did the vulture thing at Clash of Champions because this would have been because it was stupid. But just like you said, the sleazy E selling it, the stain coming down shoving the T-shirt in his mouth, and just kind of walking off. Love that spot because that to me was not so much put your money where your mouth is, but put Hogan where your mouth is. And that was beautiful to me. I love this whole sting angle that it's been going on for over a year now. We're still not done with it, and it's still over in my book. The crowd still reacts to it. It's beautiful. I love it. I actually graded this, and I actually gave this an A. I know Arnold didn't. <laughs> did you happen to grade this, Russ? Yeah.
0: I mean, just because of the total charisma vacuum that is JJ Dillon, I dunk it down to a B because he just, he just like anybody else could have done that better than he did, you know? But then, like, you know, Eric brings it up and then Sting's finish on it. Throws it, in, but I, it just drops down from an A to a B because JJ Dillon just literally he stands there like they just gave him his lines right before he went out, and he just kind of says them. There's like zero, zero emotion, yeah. no, no showing it. So B for me.
2: And as an old school wrestling fan, especially a four horseman, we know JJ's much capable of better. Right. Yeah. All right, Arnold. Do you want to? I know since your boy's in it, you want to take the second match. <clears throat> sure. Why not? So yeah, next up we got some tag team action. Got uh
1: Laparka and Psychosis with their manager Sonny Ono taking on Ernest the Cat Miller and live from the North Pole, Glacier. So uh first things first, that uh, I saw this uh, I guess uh La and Psychosis tried to pull a fast one on Glacier. And uh for some reason I guess LaParka forgot who his tag team partner was and uh kicked psychosis. So that was Kind of an interesting start. And, uh, <laughs> however, I guess whatever they were trying to do, uh, was enough for, uh, the cat because, uh, he was getting his face stomped in by both guys on the apron. So that was fun. <laughs> and, uh, so one thing about this match I noticed is it seems like, uh, Psychosis and La Parker are not a good team because, uh, they kind of worked against each other a lot here. And uh while they're doing this, <clears throat> Ernest Miller gets a hot tag for on Glacier, who decides he wants pork chops. So chops everybody in the arena. And uh <laughs> <laughs> this match was crazy. It seemed oh, it, it was, was a lot longer than it was a lot longer than it seemed. Well no, excuse me. It was shorter than it seemed. <laughs> but uh yeah so uh here we go here ernest miller comes off the top rope illegally with a roundhouse kick while the ref is i guess discussing plans with ernest Laparca, decides to hit glacier with a chair and kind of rolls psychosis over top of him there's your finish folks this match may have been may have been two minutes long it was one of those Everybody was kind of running around, so it kind of like a... A Young Bucks I, match? Basically. Because, yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, I wasn't sure who the legal men were at that point because I'm just like, all right, just, why does he have a chair? Why is he doing Street Fighter moves? What's going on here? And um, all that being said, though, I'll be honest, it was a beautiful mess. <laughs> it was like, I thought it was entertaining, especially, you know, with parka and Psychosis kind of having this, like, I mean, I don't know if you guys play a lot of games, but, you know, when Friendly Fire's on, it's kind of like, same team? I don't know how many times I've gotten shot by teammates in Call of Duty playing the hardcore game modes, but...
0: (laughs) This match, to me, is to your point of, like, no one really knew what they were doing, but they made the best of it. To me, this is like a microcosm of the issues in Nitro at the time where they had so much talent on the roster and they were so focused on just keeping the, the, the spotlights on, you know, certain people, Hogan, et cetera. Right. And I feel like these guys probably Monday afternoon were to, Hey, uh, we don't know what to do with any of you. So you're just going to, you know, just be in a match tonight, you know, and then they just kind of, which I feel like was on the talent. Most of the time just kind of had to make the best, of you know what they what they were the situation they were thrown into you know so that's probably why you see the miscommunication and why you see the uh the chair shot and stuff because they're like i don't know we have two minutes to work with let's just do some things you know and and they end up making the best of it but to me it's this is a thing where you could point to and be like this this is what lack of preparation not knowing what to do with your roster looks like exactly is this yes exactly
2: If this match went two minutes, that's two minutes too long. I hated every second of this. I'm not going to lie. This was just all over. Like you said, who's legal, who's what, couldn't figure it out. I didn't, it just did not do anything for me at all. My first note was, this is on Nitro? Really? Really? This has Saturday Night Main Event written all over it. This should be on the Superstation. So, and I pretty much, my grade is going to reflect that. I gave this just a D, and that's probably being a little generous. (laughs) I I know, your your boy, but... Yeah, but... (laughs) I I could argue with you, though. I mean, it just, it was... (laughs) All over. I couldn't follow it. Nothing made sense. There's a chair for no reason. They keep kicking your partner. That spot's funny once, but when you do it like two or three times, and then your manager gets involved and does it, just I'm out of it. I'm done. All right. What I gave it a D. What about you, Russ?
0: I I'll throw a C at it only because I, again, I think these guys were probably told an hour. Before that was happened. And so what you see is them being like, I don't know, let's do this, you know, and I I just feel like, but as far as what's on screen, it's not great, you know, but I'm, I'm giving it a little higher rating just because I think it's a result of these guys doing, even though it wasn't great, the best they could with what they were given.
1: See, I'm glad to agree with that. Cause I mean, I went with a C2 cause I mean, it was one of those is kind of like all right, we had all this stuff with Sting and Bischoff and JJ. Here's a tag match with four dudes in Sonny Ono. And, and yeah, and just like Russ was saying, it seems like it was something where it's kind of like, hey, welcome to the arena. Glad you guys made it. By the way, do you guys care to do a tag match real quick? Just a real quick one. Just call it on the fly. Don't worry about the language barrier. And um,
2: this is what we got. And do you know what makes me even angrier? What was on Raw? Nothing. It was tennis. You had an enti- you had a huge audience. You could have. This should have been. I'm sorry. You had to know when the U.S. Open was. This should have been your Clash of the Champions card. Sorry about TBS's luck. Give them something. But this should have been your big giant card. But no, we get this.
0: Well, yeah, the, these two Nitro episodes in particular, and, you know, I'm going to labor this point a lot, but it's the definition of missed opportunity. Like how, like, there's a ton of stuff from this era, from uh, Attitude and and this run of Nitro that all of us can look back with, you know, 2020 vision and go, oh, I would have done this. or I No, you wouldn't have. You would have made the same call that they did then, right? But like a small child could have booked two better shows than we got unopposed when it was time to bring the big guns out. And both of these, like they just both episodes of the unopposed run with the U S open instead of raw are just like, nobody put any thought into the fact that, Oh, we're going to have all the extra eyes. You know, we're going to like that all eyes on us. Like there's Mm -hmm. literally no chance. Somebody has other wrestling product to watch. And this is how you come out of the gate like this to me tells you how the entirety of the next the rest of this episode and the next are going to go
1: right by the fact that this is what they served up, you know. (laughs) Yep, exactly. And to Russ's point, fun fact, the time this show came out, excuse me, I was nine years old. So looking at like, you know, watching the show, knowing the fact that they're playing tennis on USA right now, um, I mean, I'm sure we all did to create a pay-per-view or whatever back on the video games back in the day. And these two weeks of Nitro would have been super cards. Like, Hogan wouldn't have had an excuse of, oh, I'm out here filming bad movies or defending titles that don't exist. Whatever. No, you're at whatever arena we're at, and you're in our main event. You may or may not be defending your belt. I don't care about the finish. You're going to be here. Like, <laughs> yeah. About the only person I would have maybe gave a pass to a sting based on what they're doing with him right now. So it's kind of like, all right, we don't, we won't mess with sting right now.
2: Just stand in the people. rafters, look ominous, say nothing,
1: point, point a bat at some dude in the crowd, and the nosebleeds. It's all gravy. Like, but I mean, you've got Luger there still. I mean, <clears throat> Hogan, Nash, Hall, like these are guys who are your draws. Why are It's like, why are they not more involved in these episodes?
2: No idea. Speaking of getting involved, who's that running down at the end of this match? Is that Ultimo Dragon? Question mark. My exact words was Ultimo Dragon comes down. What? Anywho. So he comes down. Uh, Again,
0: I I think that's your 5 p.m. booking decision. uh, And also, you run in at the end. Why not?
2: Oh, yeah, because there's four heels in the ring, so go get your butt kicked. I get that he's mad at Ono. That makes sense, but so it's a four-on-one. They beat the ever-loving crap out of him for two, three minutes. And then we come back from commercial. He's in the ring, and he's scheduled for a match. See, he just came down. He was a little early, Mrs. skew. He came for his match too soon, and I don't know why he got beat up. But anywho, he's got a match versus Silver King. All right. But he's the ref's like, can you go? He's like, yeah, let's go. So we immediately start the match with a standing 10 count because he can't stand up. Why would a ref start a match when the guy can't even stand? I don't care what he says. Yes, I can go that made literally no sense. <sighs> you think that the UFC is going to start a match when the guy can't stand up? <laughs> <laughs> no, would any no, it just didn't make any sense even in professional wrestling storytelling, didn't I didn't like that. At least having hobble around for a while. But this whole match, he, he's hurt. Silver King gets in a lot of offense, yada, yada, yada. Um, Ultimo Dragon suddenly makes a heroic comeback, hits that top rope Frankensteiner, then hits the Dragon Sleeper and gets a tap out. He wins. I guess this was to try to put over his resiliency. I just, I guess I'm still having a hangover from the last match I didn't like, and he was involved. This didn't do anything for me. I didn't like the beginning of it, it was just there. And that's what I gave it, it gotta see. Yeah,
0: I I'd, I'd agree with that. I'm sorry. Uh, oh no, go go ahead. no, no, okay. no, no. Okay. Go ahead. Go I, would, I would agree with that. And here's the thing. In a world with where a Katie Vicks uh storyline uh exists, I still like to have as much logic involved as as possible, right? And The whole match, you're just like, but why did he come down to get his ass whipped first, though? You know what I mean? Like, if there are better ways to do it, let's say you're right. And the idea was, oh, this is a badass. You know, like, like, oh, wow, he took an ass weapon and then he still did his match. Right. Let's say that was the idea. There were still better ways to do that. Like, uh, how about he starts his match and the guys from the match before the heels come run in and, and kick his ass for no reason like when you know what I mean then show him have a comeback but the fact that he like walked into an ass beating makes no sense like it's like it's it shows him as less resilient and more dumb than anything you know so yeah I, I, I'd agree with your rating on it because it just it does like I'm sitting there being like but why though like why would you come down to get you know what I mean like before the the resiliency like the the resiliency thing is lost because like you're not resilient you're stupid and then exactly. you have to fight your
1: way out mm-hmm. of it yeah
2: exactly
1: yep uh and in agreeance there because uh yeah this one was another C for me because um yeah that made absolutely no sense like I get it you know you have every right to be mad at Sonny Ono oh, but two of his guys are in the ring. And then the other two guys are there too. And I mean, I guess the math just isn't mathing right for me. Like, this is this is Steiner math for sure. Like, <laughs> um, I'd get it if it was the giant that comes out and says, "Ro oh, I'm out of City, oh, no, I'm gonna choke slam him. And like, obviously, you're gonna choke slam all four of those guys at the same time. They're like maybe five, nine. Might be the tallest dude in the ring. But like Ultimo is one of them. He's a cruiserweight kind of guy. Like you're going to get beat up, dude. <laughs> and it's a simple fact that you do all of that and then you turn around and end up winning your match. Resiliency's one thing. That's just dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh,
0: you, so you so far a- nitro, uh, un- unopposed nitro so far reeks of
2: 6 p.m. booking decisions. Yep. Arnold, you just put a Beautiful thought in my mind. So we have the giant with the choke slam, huge giant dude, right? Right. We have, And you said choking all four of them at once. And that made me think Bischoff was in love with mortal combat. Did he ever think of trying to get the giant four arms like Goro? So we could choke slam four people.
1: <laughs> I honestly think even at that stage in Paul white's career, he would have said, uh, that's stupid. <laughs>
0: I don't know. That's the man who quote fell off of Cobo Hall, so <laughs> he, he went along with some dumb stuff. Good uh, point. Monster trucks.
2: Monster trucks have entered the chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then
0: the world's most. <laughs> I think I hope that it was intentional, but the world's most overselling of the "I'm gonna fall off the building" like when uh. Uh, yeah, he's doing the arm flailing <laughs> whoa, for like,
3: whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa. I, would,
0: I would hope that Paul White was like, well, I'm going to like uh, Shawn Michaels Hogan, you know, like I, I would hope uh, Paul favorite. White was like, well, I'm going to oversell the crap out of this because it's so stupid you Favorite know? <laughs> match
2: ever. That is one of my favorite ever to watch Michaels flop around like a fish and make Hogan look stupid.
0: I just showed that that's one of those ones. I told you that, you know, I've been showing my <laughs> girlfriend certain things and wrestling history and i showed her that and it was literally like a like a minute into that match she was like pause it like what she's like why is that guy doing that (laughs) like like even she's seen like a grand total of an hour of wrestling uh content in her entire life and she was like why is that guy overselling i'm like well once once upon a time there was this guy named hogan and he was a real jerk in real life you
1: know
2: (laughs) yeah it was beautiful
1: yeah here's some backstory on that one <laughs> yeah
2: sean i i don't like sean michaels backstage antics but that one was 100 deserved and i love it was all for it yep it's thousand percent yeah so, all, right. all right speaking of anyways things, i didn't mean to derail us oh, no we we do that ourselves we're bad all the time others. yeah pretty much all right so speaking <laughs> of derailing things we have macho man scott hall and miss elizabeth Talking, we're the people, Reasoner watching, yada, yada, yada. Welcome to our newest member, DDP. DDP music. We get no DDP, of course. Everybody saw that coming. So then we get Mean Gene. Yes, I'm speeding along here because this was pointless. With DDP. And they show a highlight from Clash of the Champions where DDP gets, ooh, the old eye poke and bounces off the ropes. And accidentally diamond cutters his own partner, Lex Luger, and they lose. So, me and Gene asked, was that diamond cutter intentional? And I think DDP said that the question was just about as ridiculous as he was. Says he'll apologize to Luger when he sees him. Luger's here, but didn't come out. Mm, so Luger's here, but didn't come out to accept the apology. Hmm, more on that later. This was just a simple little filler segment to basically show you that highlight plant the seed for DDP diamond Cutter, luger. Ooh. All right, so we'll move on to our next match. We get Jeff Jarrett with Deborah versus Chris Benoit. And I'm I'm thinking, finally, we're 30, 35 minutes into this. Where are we? 40 minutes, 45 minutes into this episode, and we finally get a match I want to see. But I mean, I do want to see it, but I'm a little bit tired of seeing Jeff Jarrett versus Random Horseman, because that's all we've seen for like the last two months, is he had a match with anybody that's not a four-horseman. I mean, him and um, Malenko, but not even really... I don't know. I think that was on Clash of the Champions anyway, wasn't it? No, it was him and Mongo versus Clash of the Champions.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Anyway... So we get we get to this match. Uh, ben Wall is firmly in control early. Deborah absolutely clocks him on the outside and he sells it for some reason. Uh, Jeff Jarrett hits the figure four, but Ben Wall's in the ropes already, so he immediately has to pretty much let go. Uh, ben Wall goes for the diving headbutt, whiffs. Uh, ben Wall hits a superplex. But J.J. grabs his legs, rolls him him through into a small package. One, two, three. Jeff Jarrett won this one. This was really short, and I do not know why. We could have absolutely just cut the LaParka, Psychosis, Ultimate Dragon, Silver King thing. Put that on Saturday night and given this one eight more minutes, and I'd have been just happy with it.
0: Yeah I was literally while what we were talking about the mean gene segment I was thinking if if I were writing Nitro that night I would have opened with the DDP Luger thing and made it a little bit more um uh engaging but at least like you know hey welcome to Nitro and here's a guy you may not have seen if you watch Raw every week right so like here's DDP who has a good amount of charisma or when 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 given good material right yeah and that would make you be like if you were a raw guy tuning in at the top, you would be like, "Oh yeah, like still what the hell happened there, right?" At least like plant the seed of like I should care about what's going on here, right? Then you go into a longer version of this Jeff Jarrett match, and again speaks to the WWF guy, right? That's that's tuning in. That's like, "Oh yeah, Jeff Jarrett," and then you have him put on a good long match. And to me, that opening of Nitro is like a thousand times better than what we got and especially who it was target who it should have been targeted at. And then maybe after the first commercial break, you do the La Parca thing where you're like, "Ah, oh, here's you know, here's the guys that we didn't know what to do with. You know what I mean? Like you at least have people engaged at the top of the show.
2: Well you know? I totally agree. And as a two time armchair booker of the year and finalist for this year, totally agree absolutely, totally agree. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. But 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 <clears> even <throat> all what we got, I liked it. These two, they can go. The quote your T-shirt, they can go. <laughs> um, I don't think they can see you, but he has an absolutely beautiful Scott Hall shirt on. Did we talk about that? I can't remember. I have I, th- I
0: think so, yeah.
2: I don't know if we talk about it on air. I know we discussed it all fair, but yeah. He has an absolutely wonderful Scott Hall T-shirt from our sponsor this week. Wr- no, no, just kidding
0: man what I, i'd love to be sponsored
2: by the company holy crap yeah, amazing shirts yeah oh, yeah we don't get sponsors we get we get canceled because i ruined my mouth but anywho we've been there um this was good from a short <laughs> even though it was short this is two people who know what they're doing can put on a great match um say what you want about jeff Jarrett, or i know ben wall is a touchy subject to some, a lot of people but we're looking at this through the vacuum of 1997 he was an amazing talent this was a good match i liked it i gave it a b i mean it it just if this would have went 10 minutes this would be a but it got like 5 so it's a b uh arnold
1: i just wish this was longer more than anything cuz my thing is uh, like you gave ultimate like 5 minutes And here you are now with two guys who, I mean, at this time, even I wouldn't say that Double J and Benoit were like top guys, but they're guys who are a little bit more well-known. Well, Of course, I mean, you've been watching wrestling for the last 10 years. By this point, you know who Jeff Jarrett is. Um, And, I mean, I guess if you're Canadian and have been watching wrestling for the same amount of time, you might know who Benoit is. But, um, you know, this is like Russell saying, like, Raw's not on TV right now. So if, you know, Billy wants to get his wrestling fix on Monday night, he's got to watch Nitro. Jeff Jarrett and Chris Benoit, both guys who know their way around the wrestling ring, should be getting more than three minutes. Like, I could see a three-minute match if there were some shenanigans like, you know, The horsemen show up, or Deborah gets caught trying to like hold Benoit's boots down while he's getting pinned or something. And it's like the ref sees it's like, all right, nope, I'm throwing this out. Okay. But they could have kept the finish because the finish was pretty cool. But at least make it look like these guys went to war for 10 minutes. That's just me. Um, But all in all, from what we've gone through so far, match wise, this is probably the best one I've seen so far. So this gets a B for me.
0: I'm going to go a little above both of you and give this an a, and I'll tell you why, because, and you're going to find this a lot with my ratings is I take into consideration, like these, what were they doing with what they were given? Right. And if you're, if you're as talented as Jeff Jarrett was uh, at the time and Benoit was at the time, you know, could you have put on a five star classic if given the right amount of time? Probably, you know, but I feel like with the time they were given and probably the time they were even told that they were doing this, I feel like it's absolutely the best they could have done. So that's why I throw
2: an A at it. I, I see where you're going. With. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. No arguments for me. We just can't really do that because we see him every week. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to, yeah. Because everything would probably be an A for a lot of crap.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear that.
2: Oh, no problem. Um. All right. So we're going to move on to our next match, a tag match. We get Ming and Barbarian versus Mortis and Wrath. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. This was four big dudes beating the crap out of each other. It was a rematch from Saturday night where I believe Vanderbeek got involved. Yada, yada, yada. Um in this one um Mortis hits um Ming with a the famous then tries to come off the top rope but Ming catches him in the Tongan death grip one two th- and pins him with it one two three Ming and Barbarian win. There's a big scrum afterwards in Devour One. This wasn't bad. I'm skipping over it for time reasons because we've went a little long with our sable rants. Um this was a good match with four big dudes beating the crap out of each other, and there's not a whole lot more I can say about it. Yeah, I gave it a B. Yeah.
0: Same thing, B, uh big dudes beating the crap out of each other. About about the right length, by the way. Like yeah. we've all had complaints yeah. so far about like this should have been longer, that should have been shorter. This is about the right length. i throw a B out of it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I'll be honest, I gave this one a B plus because of that exact fact is Four big dudes beating the crap out of each other. Let me tell y'all something, boys. That's professional wrestling right there. Like, (laughs) and honestly, I'm kind of a mark for the faces of fear because, like, we all—I'm sure we all know by now—that Ming and Barbarian are like legit tough guys.
2: Oh God, (laughs) yeah. Ming's like 60, and I still would not—if I saw that man in an alley, you would—I would put a wily coyote hole in a wall to try to get away from him. Like, I would throw my wallet at him. Just <laughs> don't eat me. Here, take it.
1: And, like, these are guys, like, I mean, and, of course, you know, you have Mortis and Rath. Again, big guys who know what they're doing. So, it's awesome. As, like, I know, like, you know, back, well, last year in wrestling time, you know, we were talking, we would talk about how being a barbarian would no-sell things. but. It's like the more we've gotten into the faces of fear. And then, of course, you know, we still have their long reign of tag team belts coming up. And you kind of see why, because you could just watch them. (laughs) It's (laughs) like, yeah, I wouldn't sell that either. I mean, who's going to yell at you in the back for that?
2: (laughs) I hear they were selling because there was people of equal size, but yeah, people, when they were versus like, uh, I think they had them in a match one time versus the rock and roll express. Now I wouldn't be selling a lot of that either, but this match we've talked about, you know, why is this on the card at this spot? This is to me is a perfect spot in this show since the way they've done it. This is where I would put this. You've had cruiserweight tag cruiserweights. Um, uh, I mean, you had the, well, I mean, La Parca and, uh, psychosis or cruiserweights versus Glacier and those aren't huge dudes. The cruiserweight match, Benwald Jarrett aren't huge dudes. This is the first time we've seen big, big dudes, and I thought this was a perfect spot to end hour one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Speaking of that, this is the end of hour one, Arnold. It is the end of hour one. You know what that means. You know what
1: that means. I think I know what that means. <laughs>
2: Or two sorry that's our we mimic the pyro all right so then we have shivani heenan and today later zabisco more on you late well no not more on you later all right so we start out with again mean gene in the ring and he's with the four horsemen flair says that either kurt henning is a horseman or he's not and says get on down here man Rick Flair wants an answer. All right. So here he comes. He comes down and says he's not ready to give an answer. And Ric Flair says somebody's here to talk to him. Somebody important. Who is it? That's right. Everybody's favorite dad comes down. It's Arn Anderson. And he is in 100% full dad attire tonight. I wrote that was exact my notes. AA in full dad mode apparel. All right, Arne Anderson said he had the he had average ability, turned into a Hall of Fame career. Yeah, pretty much. I agree with every statement of that. He basically gave his retirement speech here, and I was fighting off tears. He said his last act as a horseman is to challenge Kurt Henning. And I'm like, whoa. Then he said to join the four horsemen. I'm like, oh crap. And Henning says it would be a privilege to take your spot as the enforcer. And I'm trying to choke up right here. God, we got to stop. I love Arne Anderson. He's one of my top probably five of all time. So, yeah. So Henning accepts the invitation to be a horseman. Cool. Cool. I loved every bit of this. This was basically the Arn Anderson retirement speech two point and it still hits me right in all the feels. I gave this an A. Somebody else talk. Yeah, I i
0: I'm right there with you. I those type of moments when they're sincere, like you can tell this isn't I mean, it's obviously it's part of storyline and so on, but you can tell that Arn Anderson cares about what he's doing and i also like that they use the a, a heritage player like kurt hennig like somebody who people respect massively and this wasn't just a oh well you know like i i labored the point earlier about their nope never putting thought into things like i think there was a good amount of thought put behind this of like people respect kurt hennig uh like in the locker room in in both company locker rooms and the fan base respects the hell out of this guy so like if you're gonna have are in pass the torch this is a great candidate for it and he also is a person who could very much stand on his own right so this isn't like somebody that you would go uh well, yeah, of course he's gonna join. Like, what else is he gonna right. do? You know what I mean? Like, this is a guy where you're like, I don't know well, he might have a reason to not join. You know, the, the whole thing is just chef's kiss.
2: Like, well, perfect, he's been seen. Segment. He's been seen talking in the back with Sleazy E. So, mm, mm, so we thought maybe he might have joined the NWO, but looks like he's a horseman. He's a horseman.
0: Get him a motorcycle and a bad movie deal. He'll be best friends with uh,
2: Eric Bischoff, just like okay. Hey, and he makes much better sense as a horseman than Mongo ever did. This is true. Uh, um, I don't know. The,
0: the briefcase is pretty badass. The briefcase was over. Mongo wasn't. I know. Which, what, does that say, what does that say? When an inanimate object is more over than you. And I don't even think he
2: has the briefcase anymore, does he? I think we're past that know, but, yeah. part. But mm-hmm. yeah, we we talked about that. The briefcase was over. Mongo wasn't.
1: <laughs> kind of makes me think of uh, the episode of The Simpsons where Homer uh, saves the day with that uh, uranium rod. But uh, whenever they do the celebration, instead of celebrating him, they celebrate the rod.
2: Right. (laughs) I could see that. But I actually did grade this. I gave this an A. This was wonderful to me.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is uh, one of those things that – this is one of those moments where they took full advantage of the fact that they weren't competing against Monday Night Raw. And this was – I think this was a good spot to put this right at the beginning of Hour 2. You know, you get the horsemen. You see Ric Flair is out there. Here comes Double A. And they're about to put, or they're asking Kern Hedig if he wants to join. And, yeah, was, like I said, it's a heritage thing there. I said, like, this is a guy that, you know, again, knows his way between the ropes. He can, it's not like, come on, man, what do you have to lose? Come on, join the horsemen. Like, he like, nah, I just kind of want to do it on my own. Or... Hey, you know, I've been talking with Bischoff, I think uh, you know, for life, man. But uh, this was one of those moments here and it's like I'm sure, you know, Flair teared up some. I uh don't tear up because I'm macho. But um, you know, I mean, I'm sure there were some folks in the crowd, maybe, who had been like, you know, you know, we've been watching the horsemen since, you know, however long, and you know, double A's always been there. And here he is basically passing the torch to Enig and I honestly could not think of anybody else in that WCW locker room off the top of my head. It's like, yeah, let's make this guy a horseman.
2: Yep. I, Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Well, since we already have a horseman in the ring, let's just go ahead and give one of them a match. We have our new U.S. champion, Mongo. Wait, did I skip you, Russ?
0: No, 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 no. I already spoke. On it. I, I, I think I don't think I said my grade, but A for sure. Okay. Oh, yeah,
2: definitely an A. I forgot that, too. Thank you. Sorry. I'm a bad <laughs> host. Um. All right. So we have our next match. I said that. Since we have the four-horsemen in the ring, I mean, I'm all flustered now. Our new U.S. champion, Mongo McMichael, who beat Jeff Jarrett at Clash of the Champions, versus Eddie Guerrero. So this match didn't go long, which irritated me, but this is one of our three title matches in hour two. Spoiler alert, nothing. None of the big one. No big one. But anywho, um, this was basically all about getting Mongo what I would consider a solid win on Nitro as a U.S. champion. And there wasn't a whole lot of... This was one of those you could tell Mongo was going to win. This was never really in in doubt. Yeah. Following
0: and, the segment that came before it, there's no way a Horseman loses this match.
2: Uh-uh. Yeah. But the only thing I have is I would have had. I know this is kind of face Horseman, and I don't like horsemen as faces. Actually, I can't can't stand them as faces. They're much better as a heel stable. But I I hate them seeing coming out alone. They're four horsemen, and here he is by himself. But anywho, uh, we'll skip to the finish. Guerrero goes to hit a top rope moonsault. Mongo catches it because he's strong as an ox, catches him into a tombstone. One, two, three, Mongo wins. This was actually Mongo showing improvement, especially when he's in singles matches because we've been watching him for a year and a half now. Give or take. And when he, a year and a half ago, if he was in a tag match and did more than a slam, it was awful. And now that he can actually somewhat, and this is a lot of credit to Guerrero too, because I'm sure he was calling this because he, he, even Guerrero in 97 is the veteran here. He, did he put on a decent match? He can, he he's growing on me. I've, cause I have hated on Mongo for, years there's there was points where if he had a singles match versus a job dude i would just fast forward and give it a d and be done with it but now he can have a i'm not saying this lit the world on fire and there's definitely a mongo curve on my grade here but i gave this a b and that's probably a lot to guerrero too but this was entertaining it was good it's not obvious mongo flaws Because usually, they just put him in a tag match. He comes in, hits a clothesline, power slam, tag back out. But this was okay. It was probably about five, six minutes-ish. He got a good win, keeps his belt. I don't like him as the U.S. champion right now, but we'll see where he can take it. I gave it a B. Arnold? No, you went first last time, or second last time. Russ?
0: Yeah, I'd throw a B at it as well, but for me this is one of those things that proves that Eddie can get a good match out of anybody and literally <clears throat> anybody. And I do for me, the whole grade comes from Guerrero. Cause like you said, I'm certain he called it. Uh, I'm, you know, and, and I, I have no disrespect toward, you know, Steve as a person, but you know, like you said, it's almost always guaranteed a, a fast forward moment. And I just like, that. I mean, it's a solid match. There's not much to take away from it, but I feel like all the credit goes to Eddie for, Getting that match
2: to happen. Oh, um yeah. We preface this a lot. Anything that we say against anybody, especially like now we know with Mongo's health issues, it's nothing personal. Uh, the man seems like a great. They they may be great people. I'm talking about professionally on the TV. That's the person right. I'm talking to. The character, yeah, yeah. not him. Uh, best of wishes. I hope, especially now that that new ALS drug got approved. I hope it works. I hope it find a cure for this thing. Get mm, well I, soon, Mongo. But I, everything I, I say is professional.
0: Could not be wrong, but I think he passed away.
2: Unless mm, it was last week and I missed it. Hmm. Oh well. Look, look it. All right. Go ahead. Sorry. All right. We'll we'll, we'll Google that on the side, Arnold. What do you think about this? Um, I have to agree with you guys. Um,
1: <clears throat> honestly, like for what we've seen in Mongo up to this point. This was pretty good. Uh, And, of course, yeah, again, credit to uh, Eddie Guerrero where it comes in as well there, because, I mean, you could put him in a match with a white paper towel and he would make it an epic match. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, I mean, even for this here, the one thing I will say that, I'll be honest, kind of surprised me a little bit was um, the fact that, I mean, of course, you know, the horseman coming out solo, yeah, it's kind of weird, but – I don't know. I guess there was a small part of me that wanted Hennig to show up and be like, look, I want you guys to know, like, I'm, I'm here. Like I'm, I'm down. I'm, I'm, I'm a horseman throw up the four, Like, see, I was, that was,
2: like, yeah, that was the point I was going with. I hate him as faces because they can't do that. That's mm-hmm. yeah.
1: And yeah, I mean, and that was a thing for me. So I was just kind of like, I mean, that's something I'd have done. Like, I don't like, oh, like, let me like run out here real quick. And like, you know, While the ref has his back turned, you know, clock Eddie Guerrero, just one good time. Just
2: bang, right to the face. Now, as your armchair booker of the year, how I'm booking this is, I'm booking Mongo in a tag match, or I'm booking Ben Wall and Mongo in a tag match versus Guerrero and I don't care, whoever else. And it's not the next match, it's the match after. And you know what Henning says, you know what? Since I'm a horseman, I'm gonna take your spot and I'm gonna tag in this match. That way we get to see. As a horseman, two night in action, or maybe we'll wait. To save that for next week. I don't know, but yeah, uh, the horseman by themselves doesn't make a lot of sense. All right, so we'll move on. We get Mean Gene with Ray Mysterio Jr. Yes, and we've we've Google has told us that Mongo is still kicking. Well, yeah, so he's still alive. So we're good.
0: Yeah, I I looked probably. that up and corrected myself. I uh, did not mean to, oh, uh, to oh, have no. a man pass away before his time. I don't know why I thought I heard that, but apparently I did not.
2: Well, I didn't realize that Laparca passed away. I didn't know he I didn't died. Know that either. Yeah, I didn't know he. I found that out like three days ago.
1: Because like, not Russ don't feel bad. Uh, I think it was like what our first or second episode. I thought <laughs> I thought Earl Hebner passed away. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, he's like we're like our second. that was like Earl Hebner, rest in peace, and I'm like. What? <laughs> yeah, that was that. That's a callback right there. Uh, that's like it's like a hundred and some episodes ago. Anywho, Mean Gene
0: listening to your podcast. He's like, did the family not tell me? Tell. <laughs>
2: uh, so we get Mean Gene with Ray Mysterio, who we get another hooting the Blowfish reference because apparently they're watching tonight. And how we know that in ninety seven, I do not know. Uh, Mysterio is limping. Conan comes down, because apparently this feud's still a thing. Um, blah, blah, blah. Yes. Then, here comes the giant. Chases Conan off. And then we see Giant and Mysterio, the odd couple, tag team, walk off to the back. Oh, okay. Weird, but Cool. And then everything goes downhill because here comes Eric Bischoff. And where's he? Is he going to the ring for an interview? No. Is he escorting somebody to the ring? No. He goes to commentary and kicks out Mike Tanay and Bobby Heenan. Shivani stays. So we get Shivani and Bischoff on commentary. And I'm going to, Go ahead and say, I tuned out for the rest of this episode because this annoys me when they do this. I don't like Bischoff as a commentator, never have, not even in. I didn't like him in the AWA as a commentator, never have, ever. He's not been good at it. He's good as a manager or some kind of sleazy mouthpiece. But when I hear him for an entire show, it just grates my nerves, and I don't like it. So this. Yeah,
0: to your to your point, for me, Eric Bischoff, the the best thing he does in a any sort of broadcast capacity is the heel, shit eating grin, I got one over on you type of promo, right? Yep. And there's no way for that to come across when you're not on camera. You know what I mean? Like there's no way even the most uh <clears throat> sarcastic thing that you can say the nuance is lost when you're not on camera to give that look you know that million dollar smile of, of that that uh, uh, Bischoff would throw out there even when you know something's going on that uh, everyone in the building but Bischoff knows NWO is not going to end up with the, with the upper hand or whatever that overconfidence that's what he does and you can't get that across with a microphone you just can't there's no way to get that across so it comes off as a sarcastic guy who really doesn't care what's going on. And like, that's the voice of like, that's the voice guiding your people, your viewers through the journey, which is why like you, you have a podcast about this era of wrestling specifically. And you were like, I'm not even going to watch the rest of this show. Like that's how poor of a job that guy does at that role.
2: Well, I watched it. I just really just irritated me. Got on my last nerves, probably affected my grading. And just kind of tuned out commentary a little bit. It's just.
0: Yeah. Well, I would argue that when you, when you, when we're grading these things, at least the way I think about it is you're, you're looking at the whole product, which is why I like me personally, I bring into like the booking decisions and stuff. And people might be like, oh, that's not fair to what went on in the ring. But you're the whole presentation is what you're, you're grading. And I don't care if somebody went out and put a five-star match on, if you got, Bischoff doing Bischoff things on the mic, it detracts from the overall presentation. So I don't think you're wrong for that at all.
2: Well, that is an absolute beautiful segue because that's pretty much what happens in our, well, not five-star, but that's kind of what happens in our next match. We get Eugene Nagata versus Chris Jericho. I will read my notes verbatim for this match. Nagata looks like a generic Power Ranger. Bischoff won't shut up. Commentary is ignoring this match. Chris Jericho wins. That's everything I wrote on this match.
0: Uh, there's the recap. That's was like, exactly. That's <laughs> yeah, I slapped the yeah. C minus and, and, on it. And for those of us who, who who know all the background, it's like Eric Bischoff ignores Chris Jericho filming at 11, you know, like giant surprise that Bischoff is going to try. I, I feel like do you feel like that's him talking constantly and not paying attention to the match. is just him trying to bury Jericho as a performer. <sighs>
2: mm-hmm. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what he I didn't even write down what he was talking about. Don't care. Didn't matter.
1: And that's the thing cuz it's like and it it's one of those things where it's like you think like just certain things add up. And it makes you wonder why guys started jumping ship 2 years later. And the thing is is like when you bring in dudes, you give these dudes creative control, So basically you have the inmates running the asylum and of course they're going to get them and their buddies over crowd be damned. And it's like, and that's the thing, like, that's one of the, I mean, I'm sure we all know about this by now. It's like, that's one of the biggest things I think that shot WCW in the foot was, it's like, you know, you brought in, you bring these guys in, you start the new world order, which was huge. That was huge. And with doing that, you know, you get this, like, who's going to join, who's not going to join that. I mean, all of that is awesome. Like, I would tune in weekly to see if anybody is going to jump ship to this new promotion. But after a while,
2: it got oversaturated. We know how that went. And and then oh, we're not some, even close to being a, a, at the bloated level that it will be. Mm-hmm. And it's already but, too far.
1: yeah, then you got these guys, though, like these young guys who are coming in who are really good at what they do, like Chris Jericho, for example, and he kind of gets tossed by the wayside. And I think, you know, Bischoff on commentary here kind of honestly, that kind of that kind of illustrates the point.
0: Yeah, I mean, looking at this from a 2020 booking perspective, what you would do if you're Eric Bischoff, instead of ignoring what's going on in the ring, you belittle because I would argue Jer- Jericho at the time was one of the more talented people they had on the WCW roster. If you're looking at it, it's two different promotions, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So belittle the hell out, no matter how fantastic Jericho is in the match, just keep being like, see, this is why we don't even want people like this in the NWO. You know, like, oh, look at this guy. He's terrible at what he does, right? right. Like that you're still commentating the match, which is what your job is for the people watching the show. And you're burying this like the whole of the WCW side of things, and you're still in your character of Eric Bischoff is not on the same planet with the rest of us. He doesn't, you know, he's so overconfident or whatever that mm-hmm. you know he can't even recognize the greatness that's going on. You know, and you're making yourself more of a heel too because the viewers yeah. like this. How does this guy not know this guy's awesome? You know, yeah. and again, I know that's mm-hmm. all 2020 booking, but like it's such a better way to go about doing that than just like you said. It's like if you watch this. And you don't even know what Eric Bischoff was talking about. He has failed all the way across
2: the board in his job. Absolutely. And yes, because when a heel buries a face, guess what? That's putting him over Mm -hmm. subconsciously Mm -hmm. to your audience. And he didn't do any of that. This was terrible. The match apparently was okay because I gave it a C minus. I mean, Bischoff really just took me out of all this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep, exactly. I'd be
0: there with you. I'd slightly higher to see, just because I think the guys in the ring did there. But again, if you're looking at the whole product, it's the whole thing's brought down.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep, that's yeah. You got to see for me for that reason there, because it's kind of like there's a certain teams like commentary teams that don't go well together. Uh, This is one of them. Tony Schiavone, arguably one of the best of what he does. Like honestly, a lot of WCW. I think it might just be the timbre of his voice, but it puts you into it. Bischoff, I couldn't tell you what he was talking about. I don't care what he was talking about. And it's like you said, I mean, if you're a heel commentator, you have to do that, like period. Not talking over a guy's match, but all right. Okay, I'm thinking I might get some heat for this, but I'll be honest. I think Jerry the King Lawler is one of the best to ever do it yep yeah um, yeah he would interact with his partner or partners, but at the same time <laughs> he would bury the face and he would like cheer on the heel and just show an obvious bias. I like that
0: one of my favorite things that lawler can do that nobody else can do is the flip flop so if you go into a match and you have a guy who's the heel right and the entire match lawler's doing lawler things right like Mm -hmm. uh it's not his it's not his fault he's doing that jr he had to do that you know or whatever and then at the end but let's say there's a swerve at the end and the heel turns uh face and lawler immediately is like you know i've never liked this guy (laughs) yeah (laughs) i love that lawler nobody heenan's heenan's Close with that, like Heenan would do that too. You know, uh, that's why I never liked him. You know, or whatever. Like, but uh Lawler's flawless at it. Yep. But like you said, though, I, Jerry Lawler was, and I don't care if Bischoff just listened to Lawler and was like, you know, well, I'm going to rip that off. That's what Bischoff should have been doing mm-hmm. every time Chris Jericho or anybody uh, on the WCW roster was. I like. Let me let me just break down for you why this is terrible. Right. Like, that's what he should have been doing. And no.
1: Yep. <laughs> nope. Definitely and like you, Bobby Heenan. And
0: like you said, we're getting to NWO saturation, oversaturation, not even close to what's going to happen. Ah. But like, you're already pushing it by just mm-hmm. like rambling on about, like, how about you tell us why this product is so bad instead of continually being like, yeah, but Hulk Hogan, though. No. So NWO for life, you know, like, tell, Tell us why the, the what we're watching right now is awful. And that's how to be a heel manager. And the idea, and you guys know this the idea is that the viewer is like, Are you crazy? You know, like they mm-hmm. it forces you to make an opinion.
2: Yeah. Radiating and, heat. And, yeah.
0: That's your job.
2: Absolutely. Right. Speaking of heat, we'll move on to the next match because it's the Harlem Heat. We'll not match, next segment with Mean Gene. And they're saying they should be the number one contenders, not the Steiners. Steiners come out, take ump with that. Say, no, it should be us. Here comes Buff Bagwell and Scott Norton saying, no, it's us. We should be the number one contenders, even though the tag champions are the NWO. So that was weird. I don't know. They didn't say the number one contenders. They just come out and just put down the other two. But to me, that means, no, it should be us. That was a weird segment. They fight literally for 10 seconds in a big scrum before commercial. And we come back and they're all gone. So that segment was pointless, and I don't really – anybody want to talk about it? D. <laughs> I, didn't even, yeah. I, I would have probably given it an F for just stupidity and get it off my TV. Did I gave you, it an okay. Yeah, what was that? – <laughs> that was that was pointless. All right, well, we'll move on to a match that once they said it – I think they might have mentioned this earlier in this broadcast. Once I heard this, I was actually kind of excited for this match. We have a TV title match with your new TV champion, who is the Wunderkind Alex Wright versus Dean Malenko. And I'm like, oh my, wow, this could actually be good. Because, Russ, I talk about all the time, Alex Wright had everything but it. I think he could have been top of the card, well, top of the mid-card kind of talent if you would have gave him a mouthpiece and just stopped doing the double-fisted Nazi salute. I don't know why we're doing that. Even in 98, that's no, but all right. So we find out that the winner faces ultimate dragon at fall brawl. And I'm like, Oh dear God, please let it be Malenko. Cause I'd love to see Malenko and ultimate dragon again. Cause those are some great matches, but alas, this goes back and forth. Um, I like um, Alex Wright got whipped into the ropes and stumbled and fell down. That was kind of funny in one spot. (laughs) Um, Jeff Jarrett and Eddie Guerrero come down. They beat down Malenko. Alex Wright wins this by DQ. Then Jeff Jarrett puts the figure four on. And as he's got the figure four on Malenko, Guerrero frog splashes him in the corner. I still actually like this before the interference. I thought it was a good match. But I mean, still I'm didn't I wasn't fully focused on this because I've got to listen to Bischoff. So I know that's probably beating a broken record here, but but still, this was a good match. Alex Wright's a good talent. d Malenko was, I still think he's the best worker on the in the company, and maybe both at this point. He just he's over in my book. He's amazing. He doesn't have to talk. I think if they gave him some kind of heel mouthpiece, he would have been great. And if he's four inches taller, we're talking probably the greatest ever to do it. But anywho, I'm a big Dean Malenko mark. Always have been. I like this. This gets over my book. It gets a B. Oh,
1: okay. That's right on the money with my great action.
2: <laughs> That's very I mean, I rare that we
1: agree. Yes, yeah, so I gave it a B. Like, nah. Like, as soon as I saw that this match was on the card, basically, I was like, okay, this will be good because Alex Wright, like you said, he had everything but it. And Malenko, they, I mean, they call him the Man of a Thousand Ice Holds for a reason, right?
2: And um, Did you say the fan of a ma- Man of a Thousand Assholes. Sure, um, ice holds. Oh, ice ice holds. Okay, sorry. I mean, you don't have that many
1: nicknames you can't have that many nicknames to come out and be a brawler. Like you're definitely a technician, you know? <laughs> and this is like, if, if I go to shake your hand and you ha- suddenly have me in a chicken wing crossbody, like, yeah, you, you know, your thing. And, uh, I mean, this match showed it here. And this is one of those, um, sometimes when it comes to DQ finishes, I'm a little iffy about them. Cause it's like, why not let these guys just pin or submit one another? It's like, nah, this one made sense because this was one of those ones where it's like, I like Alex Wright. I don't really want him to lose here. I like Dan Malenko. Don't really want him to lose here, or like you know lose clean. And um, so I mean for this match in particular, yeah, DQ was the way to go. And I'm I'm glad that it went the way it went. So I mean this definitely got a B for me.
0: Yeah, I throw a B at it as well. Uh, really, the only points overall deducted from this presentation is Bischoff. You know, I I think, like you said, I think there's a couple of guys that can do it, do do it well, and were doing what they could with what they were given. You know, hey, go out and also this is going to be a DQ finish and no one's going to care. You know, but like they did, they put on a great match and just the uh, the reason the reason it drops from an A to a B for me is because of Bischoff. Yep. B for Bischoff.
3: B for-
2: <laughs> no B in spite of Bischoff. Fair B, enough. There. Yeah. <laughs> All right, speaking of things Bischoff tried to ruin, let's move on to our main event. We got Macho Man Randy Savage with Miss Elizabeth versus Lex Luger. Ooh, okay, I, I can see this. This is a good match in 97. We know there's going to be shenanigans. There's never a main event involving an NWO member that doesn't have shenanigans, so let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. All right, Um. so Miss Elizabeth grabs the foot of Luger, so Macho Man can... Elbowing, blah, blah, blah. And here's my next note. Eric Bischoff is ruining this episode. I'm on I'm on Twitter. <laughs> I'm reading Twitter at this point. This is how bad it is. Yeah. But 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 when Russ's t shirt comes down or Russ's shirt comes down, Scott Hall, I'm suddenly interested again. And he so he comes down, gets his little nose in it. Luger knocks heads with Macho Man. DDP comes down to try to settle, to even things up. And he accidentally, and he, sorry, stumbled over my words there. So DDP's down. Luger knocks heads with Macho Man. He's a little woozy. Bumps into DDP, who he thinks is Macho Man, picks him up and grabs him in the rack, fade to black. So we have no idea how this match ended. I'm assuming they're to say no contest EQ because God only knows. I think they ran out of time a little bit. There was only something they've had on this show that they could have cut. Don't know what that could have been. But so after DDP hit Luger with the diamond cutter, he gets put in the rack accidentally. So I guess we're going to see a DDP Luger feud apparently happening and I'll be all here for it, except They're both faces, so somebody's going to have to turn. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So, with all that being said, as much as Bischoff tried to tank this episode, I love this. This was a good, crazy finish to me. I would have... I mean, since we can't have the big belt defended on TV because Hogan, I'll accept this as a substitute. I love this, even though I was on Twitter for part of it. Once the main course came down i was into it i love this i gave it an a russ so
0: i'm gonna disagree with you slightly only on because of the very end right okay so the setup here is dvp accidentally uh diamond cutter luger right so like what's gonna happen with that right i would argue that and again, suspension of disbelief, but you could accidentally diamond cutter somebody like you could be in a mood, in, in a mood where you're just strike out ultimate warrior style, where you're just hitting everything that moves and, and close lining everything that moves. Right. And then you back into somebody and you just go, you know, like uh, uh reactionary, right. Yeah. You just grab a guy and drop him. There is no scenario on earth where you accidentally put someone in the torture rack. There is no scenario where that happens ever under, under no circumstances. Would you accidentally put someone in the torture rack. So for me, the way that match the end of the match, and this is why it drops from an A to a B for me is because what you do is the exact same thing that happened to DDP. You have Luger cleaning house and he turns around and just, and just as simple as clocks the hell out of DDP reactionary, right? DDP goes down like a sack of potatoes. And then you end the show on Luger looking like, Oh, Oh, crap because it adds more mystery to it like like luger is on purpose has a guy in the torture rack and is continuing to hold him in that move so the intention is clear right if you want a cliffhanger ending you have luger do the exact same thing you know give him the receipt for the accidental move and then have luger stand there with the look on his face like you know so you go to black of did he mean that or not so now you got two guys who may have assaulted each other on accident and so now i'm curious as to where that's going to go whereas the way it ended even though to your point we don't know what the actual uh like how it looks on the card like what the actual uh end was we now know that luger very much on purpose has a problem with ddp which we didn't need to know we didn't need to know that like as a viewer that's a thing you want to turn back in for next monday to be like oh crap did he mean to hit him because like we know that ddp didn't mean to hit him you know what i mean so that's why it drops from a to B for me. Cause there's just
2: on, there's no scenario where you accidentally put someone in a torture rack. I guess my suspension's a little, a little more far going than because I still think, you know, maybe he didn't know who it was. He thought it was Macho man. That's just where I was. I was, I was going with what I think they were trying to tell. Like, yeah, I agree. Bl- well, I, I 100% okay, so agree you with you. There's, there's no way. Up, right? Yeah. Peripheral.
0: You're, you, you got blind, ha- blind curly hair, to, you know, be bouncing around, you know, ooh, even then, Maybe he puts them in it and then puts them back down. It's like, oh, crap. You know what I mean?
2: Like, maybe you could even do that. Better. His his vision's blurred. He just knocked the heads with somebody, which, <laughs> yeah. which they could have done a little better, have somebody throw powder in his face. There, he's blind. Right. Yeah. What do you think, Arnold? Arnold, you're on mute.
1: Let's try that again. <laughs> so with this one, I mean, the 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 ending was confusing in a way because it's one of those things I've never been in a torture rack before, but I can imagine that the guy who is trying to sell the move is probably screaming and wincing in pain. And I mean, I know ahs and oohs probably aren't the most audible, but I feel like macho man. And DDP have different, you know, body sizes to them. You would think that, oh wait, this doesn't feel like Macho Man, or maybe it was a thing where it's like, I know it's not Macho Man. I know it's DDP. Might as well do this. He hit me with a diamond cutter the other day. Like it, it one of those things that where like it doesn't make it seem like, oh, he he didn't know what he was doing. The fact that you held that on until the show went off the air. You had an idea what you were doing there. Like right. You at least and that's had what I to. say.
0: Even even if you, like you say, you get him up, and throw him down, and have that look on your face like, oh, wrong
1: guy. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that's just a better way to end the show. Have it go to black. Because mm-hmm. that way now we need answers next week at that point. Because it's like, did he mean to do it? Was there an accident? Or even like Drew said, you know, it had to have been like, you know, some Mr. Fuji powder Or somebody come in like they did with DDP with the eye poke like, Okay, oh, I can't see. Here's a dude. I'm just going to throw him up in the rack. That would have seemed more logical. But it's like, I mean, I've bumped my head a few times before, not to the point where I was like, whoa, disoriented. But at the same time, like enough to know, be like, okay, don't tackle that guy. Tackle that guy. Well, from a football standpoint. But like, I don't know, it's just. It's like, I get what you were trying to go for. It just didn't really land the way it should have. I know
0: they're going to be unopposed next week, but in a world where they weren't unopposed again the following week, this there's no reason why if I'm a raw person that I, I get to the end of this Nitro and go, oh, shit, I got to see what, what comes of that next mm-hmm. week. There's no scenario that makes me say, if anything i'm going uh oh, crap i got to watch this again next week cuz there's no raw still you know and it, this whole show should have been a showcase for here's why you should be watching this instead of raw ever and all the way up to the 11th hour literally the last move on the broadcast you're just, like there's no compelling reason to turn nitro on again the, the following week other than the fact that you physically can't watch raw
2: mm-hmm.
1: exactly that is that is it
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yep pretty much well Folks, that was Nitro from August 25th, 1997. All right, time for our overall grades. Now, I'm going to give two this week. This one averaged out to a B minus, but I'm not giving this a B minus. This was not a B minus show. The first hour and a half may have been, but that last half hour with Eric Bischoff drug it down so bad. I'm changing this all the way. This was D plus. This was bad, and he turned it bad quickly. So I'm going with mm-hmm. D plus. I mean, I hate to, because overall it was kind of an entertaining show. Really, I we ripped some things apart, but there were some good spots in here. There were some real good spots. It started out strong with Sting. We had the you know the good Ben Wall match in the middle. The Mongo match was good. The fi- the finale I liked, I loved, but just Bischoff took me out of it and made me hate it. I hate to say it. I don't like Eric Bischoff on commentary. Get off of it. Enough of me ranting and raving. I'm still angry. at Lots of things. Russ, what'd you think of this overall?
0: Uh, I throw a C-minus at this, and that's because, yes, there were a lot of good things that happened, but, I cannot get over what a missed opportunity this show is. There are so many minor, minor tweaks they could have made to this broadcast to make a lot of people at the minimum become channel flippers, right? Like people that at least when Raw was back are like, I kind of want to see what's going on over there, you know, and just completely all potential that, should have been we should be we should be talking about this like this is one of the all-time great nitro episodes Mm -hmm. and the only thing we should be saying is yeah but there's always that caveat of they weren't against raw that week like that's really the only reason we should have to complain about anything on this show and instead we have a laundry list of bad commentary bad booking decisions uh Things that make zero sense, wondering why this person's in the ring now or that person runs down then it's, it's so much wasted potential that i I can't go anything above a c minus four
1: no no blame yeah. no blame there so, yeah no complaints at all there, and I think that's something that kind of stuck in the back of my head too is the fact that u s a is showing tennis right now, and me. I guess as if I were running the show here in Atlanta, I'm thinking, okay, I'm rubbing my hands together like a villain. Like, okay, what craziness can we put together tonight? Because, you know, of course, you know, we brag about, well, not we, but, you know, they're bragging about we were ahead of the ratings for 83 weeks, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, congratulations, that's awesome. But then you're putting together shows like this. When in reality, I'm saying I don't give a crap what he's doing. Get Hogan's ass here right now. He can keep the belt. We need him in the ring. Like I'm putting, I'm putting out all the stops. Like everybody is going to be here at this point. And it'll, it would be the same next week. I'm like, yeah, still doing tennis next week. Bring Hogan back,
0: dude. Who cares if Hogan's even in a match? Have him come. Have Hulk Hogan come out and cut a promo on Connecticut. Have him talk for five minutes about how if you're still watching Raw, you're an idiot. Like what they do up north. You know what I mean? Bare minute, and then you know this is where the action is. We've got the excitement. Like at a minimum, have Hogan do that for five uh minutes, and you've got way more compelling TV. I
2: don't even care if it's pre-taped. It's not like the U.S. Open came out. Day, you knew this months in advance. A pre-taped, anything, put him on the show, anything. But no, we got nothing.
0: I feel like the show that we got here is 40% overconfidence. Like them thinking, well, we're ahead in the ratings and who really gives a shit. And 60% ineptitude. Like, I, you know, the the, the knowing about the U.S. Open that far in advance you could classify that under uh, overconfidence. Like they're like, well, everybody's yep. got to watch us anyways. Right. And then I, but I think over half the problem here is ineptitude. If you have guys on the roster, like Chris Jericho and Dean Malenko and uh, Alex, Wright, And you don't know how to properly present them. You are inept at your job. Yep. Yep. Pretty much you after. know? So I feel like it's an easy 40, 60 split there where I feel like somebody probably in a meeting to your point was like, guys, Did you know in a couple months the US Open is going to make us unopposed? And I guarantee you, there was someone else in the meeting that was like, oh, sweet, great. Well, that means everybody's got to watch us. Like, there wasn't any. My reaction to that would have been like, like you said, oh, Jesus Christ, get Hogan on a plane. Like, let's start writing this show backwards now from the amazing ending all the way up to how we hooked people at the beginning of the show. And I feel like they were just like, oh, well, we're unopposed. Who gives a shit? Right. And then, then when you get to the 11th hour, when you get to those 6 p.m. bookings, you know, and people were like, "I don't know, just send these guys out to the ring, I guess." You know, like it's just such a such, like. I'm not. We should be talking about this like this is one of the all time great Nitro episodes. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. And yet
0: here we are in 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 low C high D territory. Yep. It's, it, exactly. It's so disappointing. Absolutely.
2: <laughs> exactly. All right. Well. Exactly. On that note, we're going to end our review, and this is the part of the show, Russ, where you're going to tell us where our listeners can find you.
0: So the easiest way to find us is infectious dot com. But we have a couple of different things that we do every single week. Like every Monday we have our audio podcasts come out and it's usually like an hour, hour and a half. But then on Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday, we have quick five minute, five, 10 minute videos come out on YouTube. And, uh, Although I've been doing a whole bunch of wrestling talk here, uh, everything on our show is all focused on music, like literally all genres, all artists. And uh, I guess what's unique about our show is that we try to do everything from a positive standpoint. And what I mean by that is we don't just, you know, if a song or an artist is not our cup of tea, we don't just praise them for no reason. We just don't talk about them. You know what I mean? Like it, it, to me, it's just easier to talk about. There's so many albums and artists and songs that are crazy underrated that I would rather spend time talking about things more people should hear instead of talking about things that I don't think people should hear, you know, because music is such a personal thing and I just don't want to do an episode about the five most overrated love songs of all time or whatever. And then I'm crapping on like uh possible listeners, wedding songs. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's you know, personal to their life. You know, yep. So on, on the show and on YouTube, that's like all of our YouTube videos are five most underrated this, or five hidden gems from this artist, or or whatever and that type of thing. Because I would rather people he want to hear more stuff, and I'm well aware of the fact that we could get a lot more hits and attention with quote unquote hot takes, but I just don't. It's just not. We'd rather. Go about it this way, and we've had a a good amount of success. We've interviewed some people that, if you told me when I started the podcast that I was going to get to talk to, I would have been like, "Well, you're high," you know. Like (laughs) one of one of my all time (laughs) favorite bands is Pink Floyd, and I got to talk to their bass player from '87 to '94. You know, oh wow, yeah, and just the things like I mean, I'm a huge fan of uh, the Jackson family, and I got to interview a Jackson for like 90 minutes, just you know, and it's it's. It's going, it sounds pretentious to say it, but going the high road, like going the the nice route has led to a lot of success for us. So, uh, you know, if you've heard anything I had to say about wrestling and you want to hear more of me talking specifically about music, then just hit com and as links to hit us up everywhere you might want to.
2: Yeah. I'll put a link in the description of this episode. Right on. Yep. Um, All right. Well, you know, I've been, I think we talked, me and Arnold talked about this later doing an episode on maybe entrance music. Maybe we'll have you back for that one if that interests you. Oh, I music got coming. thoughts. Oh, I, I got, was, I
0: yeah. got, I got thoughts. So do you we. Know, I, at the risk of, at the risk of derailing a bunch, I, you know, you guys had had Lauren on previously and you know that, you know, she had not seen one drop of wrestling prior to me showing her stuff. And I, I recently, like within the past two weeks, I, showed her uh when dx was using run dmc uh, and they did the remix of their and mm-hmm. i was like you gotta understand i got into run dmc at like seven or eight years old and you know thought that they had moved heaven and earth at one point in my life you know they were just like the be all they, they introduced me to the entirety of the genre of, of rap as a very little kid and so like 1999 2000 you know, we're all watching raw religiously every Monday night and DX is the coolest thing that's ever happened. And then all of a sudden run DMC gets involved. I was like, this is like the best of both worlds colliding for me as a person. You know, (laughs) at that time I was like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. And, uh, you know, I would argue Jim Johnson's provided us with some of the coolest riffs and intro music ever. Yep. you know like you know there's it all it it all does what it's supposed to do it evokes emotion like you hear glass breaking you hear that high whine of uh brett's guitar you know uh i mean all it's it does exactly what it's supposed to do so if you guys have any interest in doing an episode about uh uh entrance music we could we could do a whole series <laughs> uh, of, going on and on about uh entrance music
2: so, hey i'm down Hey, we will make that we're definitely going to make that happen Absolutely. All right. Well, folks, that's been Nitro for August 25th, 1997. And a little, well, not a little, a lot of rambling about Sable. <laughs> defending defending my honor, I guess I should say. I'm okay. sorry.
0: I don't want to correct you on your own show, but I think you meant to say future deserved Hall of Famer stable you're okay i'm gonna mute you i have the ability to do that uninvited
2: no but arnold learned this when you disagree with me i can mute you (laughs) it's like well ladies and gentlemen for
1: the last time on the attitude wait no i don't know
2: there but yeah now you're unmuted
0: (laughs) i do uh my own show i recently moved from detroit down to florida and uh in person my co host used to say that all the time oh, well, you know, you can't mute me or whatever else. And so, as soon as I moved and we did the show remote, now I'm like, Yeah, I'm like I'll just kick you out of the episode.
2: <laughs> I've, I've had to do that jokingly to Arnold a few times, uh, but yeah. So, all right, August 20th, that's been us. Um, Arnold, tell them where they can find us. Um, the internet duh nah um <laughs> do, do i need to mute you again <laughs>
1: <laughs> well ladies and gentlemen I've, of course you know if you want to chat with us and may you know be like the rest of these marks in the iwc and share your opinions on sable uh, or any other more talented female wrestler you can find us on the twitter at Pod. uh we have Instagram with the same name. We don't really use it a whole lot though because you know Instagram and the youths and all that.
2: Hold for those on. of you who let me let me interject for just one second. I was trying oh, to, you know, use um Instagram a lot more, but every time I'd post something, I'd get six messages. "Hi, do you need graphics?" Yeah podcast
0: promoters and all that yep. stuff yeah it's just it's a grind i'll tell you one thing though and you can take this out of the episode if you want but just as a tip to you guys somebody told these. me this okay well somebody told me this and i didn't know this until like a year into using instagram you can go into your settings and mute certain words to where people can't communicate with you on instagram and i didn't know that so i went in there and added like promote it on uh, promoter you know like uh, what whatever all the buzzwords they always say so if you do that You won't get like I post a ton on Instagram now because I don't get 50 notifications right after I post from, you know, all these people with a grand total of four followers who are going to help me get ten thousand tens of thousands of hits, you know,
2: organic growth. Lot, lot of list, lot. Listen.
0: Yeah, dude, go and put all that stuff and you won't see it anymore.
2: Yep. Yep. All right. Well, I will definitely do that. Yeah, I will leave this. I will. Yeah, I don't edit any of this. <laughs> I had music mm-hmm. at the beginning of the end of the session together. This is one big organic flowing uh-huh. conversation.
0: Right on. Cool. I just, you know, but yeah, oh, I guess no. for your listeners too. that, yeah. if anybody wants to post more on social media, there's filters for that stuff to mm, where you won't be bothered listen. by. Uh, because there's so much like you, your show, there's so much great imagery from that era mm-hmm. of wrestling that you could you know you could get tons of followers just from posting imagery from that era or even as a assistant to like when uh we talked about the the torture rack thing you you know p- post a picture of luger and be like okay somebody explain how it is that you would do this on accident
2: <laughs> <You know? laughs> yep uh yeah so uh, yeah i'll leave that in here as a tip for our listeners now arnold let me ask you one question sure if you're a boomer and you want to talk to us how would you do that
1: Oh, that's a good question. So, yeah, for those of you who uh, think Twitter and Instagram are too hard or you really want to promote your podcast promotion, whatever you're doing, big follow, then uh, you can also find us on the Gmail, awr316 at gmail.com. All
0: right, well. 316, is that a reference to the guy that was just a slightly bigger draw than Sable?
1: No, no. That's it. You're, you're it. done. You're done. D- oh, <laughs> Don't be ridiculous, man. Three one six is uh, somebody's birthday. It's not mine, but
2: yeah, I am gonna. That's it. I am changing our. I am changing our email to aewrpodsablebomb at gmail dot com.
1: There you go.
2: <laughs> Finally, talk some sense into this guy here. Slightly bigger, oh, folks. <laughs> slightly. Austin is a slightly bigger draw than Sable.
0: That I can't even hey, wrap real quick. In, in case. In case somebody joined this late and didn't hear, please go back to the beginning and hear that I'm not an idiot. I'm just, (laughs) I'm I'm squarely in your corner on this. I'm Uh, just doing a bit to be funny.
2: Oh my God. I still can't slightly. Austin was only a slightly bigger. That's, that's where we are in 2022 folks. People. Was she over? Yes. Was she a big name?
0: Well, if if social media is good for anything, it's revisionist history. Oh, yeah. And but that's and, yeah. So anyways, yes, no, Sable in no way, shape or form anywhere near the discussion of the top 10 people who were over in that era at, at, or in any era for that matter.
2: All right. Oh, well. All right, Arnold. Take it Oh, Russ, we don't know if you know this or not, but you get to count us out. Our, <laughs> The show. I don't,
0: I don't know that. What am I counting down from?
2: Three. Just count the three. All you got to oh, do. Count. You're the you're the ref. Arnold, take yeah. us home.
1: We'll do, ladies and gentlemen. Want to thank you all for listening. As you can see, we're still kicking. We're not canceled yet. I've been the man with the vocal cords, Arnold, and with me as always, my tag team partner, my man, the two time reigning, defending undisputed and also finalist for this year's armchair Booker of the year the big Drewski and we are on our backs staring up at the lights go ahead take us out of here ref one two
2: three peace peace